Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million up for grabs. Get all the details at circasports.com. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake. A fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer. Back again, as always, with my man Ryan Gilbert. How you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing good. And uh, the the Phillies, they're 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 turning a corner, Blake. They're turning a corner here. Uh, if, if you're the betting type out there, definitely go place a bet on them doing the World Series or National League. I feel like Bryce Harper is just getting healthy. They're they're being they're they're this good with Trey Turner basically being a replacement level shortstop. So if he turns it on, if they pick someone up the deadline, they're going to be uh, definitely a team to watch. Team Destiny here. Yeah, I think I saw something the other day that like heading like or like th- I don't even remember what it was. Not going to be not going to lie. It was like through the end of May, you guys were like way under five hundred or something like that. And ever since then, you're like second in baseball for record or something something crazy like that, which. As a Mariners fan, I'm very jealous of because I, <laughs> I don't know what winning feels like right now. We're on one of those streaks where like we're one and one in our last two, we're two and two in our last four, <laughs> six and six in our last twelve, and it goes all the way back to like like thirty and thirty in our last sixty. Like <laughs> we win two and then we lose two and win two, lose two. But I mean, it's still baseball, so it kind of scratches that itch for me. Although it has been a, a little stressful on the Mariners fandom side. And I would like to use our platform to say Mariners fans are fucking spoiled babies. Uh, I I can be one of them. We went so long without making the playoffs since 2001. Uh, we made the playoffs last year and we went from a fandom that was just excited for the, like the playoff hunt. Like maybe we could make it there to now all of a sudden every internet Mariners fan in the world thinks we should have been a world series contender and thinks that this is just, an abysmal of a season and the team is so bad and we need to blow it all up. Everybody wants the Mariners to be sellers at the deadline and just unload everybody that's not named Julio and Kelnick. And it's just weird, dude. Like I am just, it is weird. And I know we kind of hold off on show comments until later, but Anthony did say, Blake, how do you feel about your team putting up a section of Toronto gear inside their stadium store? It's a double-edged sword. One, I don't like it because it was front and center right inside the team store. Like when you walk in the door, they had the, like the very first display was a freaking Blue Jays display. But also, if you live in the Seattle area, the Blue Jays series that we have every year is actually huge because we're not that far. And so it's like when the Blue Jays are here, it's like 70 percent Blue Jays fans that are there. There are so many of them. So I can understand why the team did it. But I I think it was stupid just because like literally the first thing you see, even JP Crawford was like, what the hell? The the team should have put up a sign saying all proceeds go toward Shohei Otani's contract in Seattle. <laughs> Mariners fans would have bought every all for damn it, shirt. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I Phillies Phillies is, is they're, they're being buyers, but people are people are coming out. These cranky old men saying, "No, I don't want Juan Soto. I don't I don't want Juan Soto in my clubhouse." Well, how do you not want a twenty four year old <laughs> three time All Star already won a World Series? is best friends with Bryce Harper, is best friends with Trey Turner. How would you not want to add that? 
and someone else was like, oh, I would trade Andrew Painter for Juan Soto. Like, yeah, no shit. Of course yeah. you would trade a 19-year-old prospect with with shoulder problems that needs Tommy John surgery now for one of the best young players in baseball. Of course you would do that. But yeah. I, I digress. I, I digress. That's, that's neither here nor there. I think I texted you the other day and said that you guys should just also sign Anthony Rendon and just run back to the national squad, give it another go. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, so if you guys can't tell by the title of the episode, if you are in the live or I I guess if you're in the podcast feed, uh, we want to talk some rookies and prospects just straight to the point today. Uh, Also, if you are on that podcast feed, we appreciate everybody that listens. Uh, If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a rating. Uh, leave what you feel is appropriate. We love five star ratings, but just what, whatever you feel, we we're here for it. Uh, and again, thank everybody for listening, especially those that show up in the live as well. You guys are fucking awesome. Excuse my language, but we want to dive right into the rookies and prospects because this seems like uh, more than ever this season. Uh, rookies and prospects have been very relevant in baseball and very very relevant in fantasy baseball Um, at the end of last season uh, I wrote up an article about how uh, by war last season was like the best rookie class that we'd had since like 1950. I don't remember the exact stat. Forgive me. It's, it's been almost a year, but there was like four or five players that were over four F war, which is huge. That's, that's a good amount of war, especially for rookies. And now this year, it looks like we may blow that out of the water. I think I saw a tweet the other day that there's like 14 rookies and prospects that are already over two war. Just absurd. Uh, And if we want to talk absurd, I think the most absurd thing that happened was that Christian Encarnacion Strand nuke that he hit yesterday. That was... It is exactly what everybody... I guess that's exactly what Reds fans wanted and exactly what all of us fantasy baseball players... I can't even say expected to happen. It's what we wanted to happen because he put up those crazy numbers in the minors, 20 home runs in 67 games, like 47 extra base hits. That first game, he went over and then he just came back yesterday. I think he went two for three with the three run home run. Just uh, are you thinking, God, I don't even know how to formulate this question. Which version of Christian Encarnacion strand uh, are you thinking it's going to happen for the rest of the season? Early overreactions. Is it going to be the over, or is it going to be the two for three with a 450-foot home run? Uh, I'm, I'm re-watching <laughs> the home run right now as as you talk about it here. The, the, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good hit, but that, that's his only you know good – I guess he had a 93 exit velocity fly out against uh, Logan Webb, so that was something, but – yeah, overreaction. Like I said last show, I'm not completely sold on him yet. I I, I feel like you know he could come in and be another Ellie Daily Cruz and, and the Reds. That'd be that'd be great for them. But I have after league. I picked him up in my in my eight team league, so I'm hoping he does well. But I, I'm not I, I'm not fading him, but I'm not buying in fully. Yeah, I think this is all because I mean it's it's hard to discuss some players like this sometimes because it is two games in. But when somebody does something like this two games in and it's kind of like what you expected them to do, it really it, it makes the the excitement boil up even more. Um, I think the, the most important thing is no strikeouts in two games. It, it, that's good. 
Which is huge because I know he had really cut his strikeout rate in the minor leagues way back. That was one of the biggest things he had done this year was his plate discipline had improved so much. He had that uh, over 10% walk rate in the minors for the first time in his career. His, his strikeout rate was like 21%, which is if somebody goes an entire season with a 21% strikeout rate, rate at the major league level, that's good. That's good in every league. That that ups the on-base percentage, if so facto, in a way. Uh, makes him way more relevant in a points league. And in that Reds lineup, they have so many young, exciting guys. And we keep saying this every time one of them gets called up. Like they call up Matt McClain and, oh, it's going to be fun to watch them because they have so many young, exciting guys. And then they call up Ellie and it's like, oh, it's going to be fun and exciting because they have so many fun and exciting young guys. And now they call up freaking Christian Encarnacion Strand. And it's the same song and dance with seemingly the same results. The other two were good, have been good. This feels like when we talked last episode about where he might rank rest of season mm-hmm. at like first and third base rankings. I genuinely feel like we were pretty spot on with that top 10 rest of season. I was at first base. I think it was or third base. One or the other. I, I think well, th- third base. Definitely. I think third base is yeah. a little shallower. I think first base. I don't know if I, I would put him there. Top 10. I think top 12, top 15. Definitely. But there's. There's the five big boys, and then like guys like Nathaniel Lau, uh, Arias, Yandi, Justin Turner had another home run today. Josh mm-hmm. Naylor's been really hot. Christian Walker, Cody Bellinger's been hot. So like, yeah, there, there's a bunch of guys in there that sure he could you can maybe put them top ten in certain league categories or certain league types. But I don't know if it's going to be cut and dry. It's going to be inter- interesting to see wh- where he uh, where he shakes out at the end. Yeah, and I know you mentioned Justin Turner, and I know we're doing a rookies in rookies and prospects episode today but justin turner has like 39 rbi in his last 39 games he's on pace for a 100 run 98 rbi season who would have thought that justin old redbeard turner was gonna turn out a season like that i i know i personally did not see that coming that's who i want the phillies to get i, I want he can play some first base Ooh. if bryce harper's not great there he can fill in around the infield a good, good right-handed dh so yeah i think justin turner if the red Sox decide to sell I, I want the phillies to uh go after him but uh we are brought to you by circus sports circa millions and circus survivor are back there's 14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs the Circuit Millions contest is five NFL picks against the spread each week, while the Circuit Survivor is just picking a different money line winner each week in advance. Enter in Las Vegas, but you can play from anywhere. Uh, SGP guys will be out there last weekend in August if you're trying to hang out with them. You can go to CircusSports.com for all the details. CircusSports.com. Uh, Uncle Ted, I see you uh, of that list. I said Kerry Carpenter is probably the best. He was one of my uh, waiver wire guys for this week. Anthony is Soderstrom droppable. Uh, depends on your league size. Ten if, to twelve team league, if, I might wait. If you picked up Soderstrom, wait on him. It's not like mm-hmm. he was gonna have two home runs in his first four games, the first five games. Like he, he's he's being fine. He, the the A's, I think, were winning against. Like he, he's he, he. You shouldn't have expected like a, a huge thing out of the gate. I think if mm-hmm. if you picked him up and and there's no one else better at catcher, I think I think you keep him. And it looks like he did mention CJ Crone. CJ Crone is, is hot. If, yeah. if, if CJ Crone's available, I would take CJ Crone over over Soderstrom in that case. But other than that, I think I, I'm I'm cool holding on to Soderstrom for now. Still, yeah. Let CJ Crone has homers now in three of his past four games, all at home, all all at Coors Field, where it's uh, it's good for good for CJ Crone there. Yeah, Uncle Ted was asking about um, 
Travis Jankowski, Matt Veerling, and Kerry Carpenter. I think Carpenter is really the only one getting consistent playing time, the only one I would even think about rostering in a fantasy baseball league. And then uh, moving on to our list of guys that we want to talk about. Um, I will openly admit I may have missed the mark on one rookie. Um, and it was last episode, and he's still very young in his career, so I cannot confirm nor deny that I missed the mark. But right now, I may have Andy Rodriguez for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I talked last episode about I liked the fact that he had that uh, like 15% career strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Very high on base percentage with a little bit of pop. Uh, and we likened him to like a 2022 Alejandro Kirk type of player. Might hit like 285, 10 to 12 home runs and just be real solid with the low strikeout rate. Uh, he is one for nine with seven strikeouts at the major league level. Again, small sample size. So read into it how you want. That's the joy of small sample sizes. If you want them to be good, they could be good. If you want them to be bad, they could be bad. I, I'm only very uh, harsh on this one because uh, my favorite thing about Andy Rodriguez was that plate discipline at the minor league level. That was the biggest thing that stood out to me. So for him to be one for nine with seven strikeouts, uh, it's like the opposite of, of what I was looking for from him, which makes it tough because, I mean, his average exit velocity so far, uh, 88 0.2 miles an hour max x velocity 88.2 miles an hour because he has only hit one ball <laughs> he has an 85 percent strikeout rate again a lot of this is overblown because it is very early on in his career but it is worrisome for me just because you really wanted that plate discipline from him and it seems like he's really pressing at the plate and it's just not working it's not even like he's making contact and just getting unlucky he's just not making contact which is not good yeah, I, I don't really think he has any fantasy relevance whatsoever. You, you look deeper into his numbers. Like he started last season in a advanced ball. And that's where he played most of last season. Had 16 home runs in 88 games. Went to double A for 31 games. Hit well there. Went to triple A for first games. Hit well there. Did not hit well in the uh, Dominican Winter League in, in six games, 25 at bats. Decent so far this year, 268, nothing really special. Six home runs, six to seven games. And now, like you said, at the major league level, not not doing well, not really making contact. So, yeah, I, I don't think Andy Rodriguez is worth rostering unless it's like a two-catcher, 15-team league. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just – there was hope there before, and I get it if you're in like a 15-team or a dynasty league and all that. There's obviously still value there in a dynasty league, so you can't discredit him. In those formats, it's just in more of a like a redraft style league, a minimal keeper league. I wouldn't even keep him in a dynasty, honestly. I don't think he's going to be really? one of the best 15 catchers next year. Yeah, see, that's the crazy thing people aren't talking about enough either. Like, catcher is actually deep, which is catcher. weird because we talked about yeah. it before the season how catcher is like the tight end of fantasy football. Like, there, there's a couple good ones, and then everybody else sucks. But catcher this year has been. Good. There's 12 to 15 usable catchers right now. I wonder, and I think that might be due to like allowing catchers to DH more, so that they're they're don't to focus on, on both all the time. I'm not sure if that's if that's something we could read into if there's you know DH games by position or whatever. But yeah, and that's even with Romuto having a bad season. So like Romuto having a bad season, Dalton Varsho is arguably unrosterable. Salvador Perez is not hitting well, but there's these other guys, Jonah, Jonah Heim, uh, Sean Murphy. These types, you know, just 
making catcher decently deep there. But uh, then, oh, another yeah, Rodriguez we talked about last show, and then <laughs> he had a start for the Orioles. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, I don't think he did too well in that start. Five innings, uh, four earned, four strikeouts, a whip of 1.8 there against the Dodgers. His next start is Saturday against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, so not not really a good matchup there. But uh, what did you see from Rodriguez? You got any of those uh, fancy, fancy stats for us? <laughs> um well i mean there there were some things that i did like for grayson rodriguez uh the velo was way up uh he touched 101 which i think he threw his five fastest pitches of the season all in the first inning i did see and that it was like 99, 99 101 yeah he just kept kept throwing he came out fucking guns blazing which i like to see and he was getting a little more spin on his pitches too like across the board all of his pitches were a lot more spinny which is cool and he had very sweet usage rates, 49% fastball up to that change up to 33%, which we have been hammering home that that change up is his best pitch. That is his best out pitch. And he needed to throw it more. And wouldn't you know it, it generated five whiffs on 17 swings, 29% whiff rate. Good. We take mm -hmm. those. We like a 30% is like a really, really good number for a whiff rate. So 29%, I'm just going to round up, call that 30 <laughs> Uh, if you want to do the small sample size thing, he had a 50% whiff rate on his slider, but it, it, it was he got one swing and miss on two swings. So his problem's been the fastball. It's been very hittable, which seemed to continue to be a problem for him again in this last start. Uh, it had an 88% zone contact rate. They were making very hard contact off of it. So he's going to have to find a way to like make hitters miss on that. Uh, whether it's lower the usage rate even more, like if he's gonna, if he's gonna be hitting, I think he hit one hundred one six. Was it no one hundred one flat? Was his highest. If he's gonna hit one hundred one, that's fine. But it, you can't then throw the pitch fifty percent of the time. Lower that to forty percent. Up the slider, up the slider to like eighteen percent, and the the change up up to thirty five percent. Like dude, move the numbers around a little. Let that fastball be something you use just to set up those other pitchers rather than relying on that pitch. If he can do things like that, he can find some success moving forward. I did think it was a it wasn't the greatest start, obviously. Giving up four runs in five innings isn't great for the ERA. But there was a lot of things that you can take away from that start that were a positive compared to how he started the year. So uh, his next matchup, I think it was against Tampa Bay not not the most ideal uh welcome back having to go against the Dodgers and Tampa Bay in the same week in your first week back at the majors but he showed the upside that I like to see from somebody that got sent down it looks like he made the changes he needed to make yeah and his one start against the Rays this year was actually probably one of his better ones five and two thirds seven hits only two runs two walks four strikeouts those were two solo home runs he gave up and, and got the win there so you know what? Maybe he. I think Grayson Rodriguez is someone like you might want to bench him against a better team, but he's someone that can come out and go five innings, nine strikeouts. Like he he can he can do that, and, and you miss out on that. So it, it's tough with someone like him, but I feel like you. It's someone like you need to kind of take a stand on and be like, okay, I'm just going to start him. Whatever happens, happens. Or are you going to try to drop him or, or see if you can trade him? Yeah, I know. I picked him up in both of my points leagues, both my home leagues. And I'm I'm rocking with him. Even though he gave up four runs, he still had a positive points day. It wasn't as exciting of uh, like a points 
showing as you'd hope for a starting pitcher, but anytime a pitcher can go positive in a world where like yesterday I had two people go yesterday. I had Brian Wu and Tariq Skubal go yesterday and it was mm. in my main home league. And it was, that's negative 21 points out of the two of them. It is Wednesday. As we there, record this, I have zero points in fantasy this week. Zero. There, there were so many high scoring games on, uh, on, on Tuesday. And I, I have a theory for why they're, I, I'm going to be betting some overs. I think pitchers are starting to wear down a little bit more with the pitch clock, with you know mm. not having that recovery time between it. Now with the heat, especially as well. So I think you're going to see teams with thinner bullpens give up a, a lot more runs, especially when one of their uh, top pitchers isn't starting. I agree. And then moving on to his running mate, Gunner Henderson. Yes. Admittedly, coming into the season, I was a little lower on him. Then some of the other analysts were. It was for good reason, though. I did not like his splits against lefties coming into this year. He had only hit above 200 against lefties in rookie ball. Other than that, it was below the Mendoza line at every single level. So I was worried. But recently, I mean, he's not necessarily hitting lefties better. He's just tearing the fucking cover off the ball. And today, a little bit ago, he hit his first home run off of a lefty. So maybe turning a corner a little bit. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Uh on the year, he's got 15 home runs, 41 RBIs, stole a handful of bases, hitting 247 with a 28% strikeout rate. Not the biggest fan of those, but overall, he has been great. Uh, if you look at his stat cast page, ton of red on there, except for K rate's low, but whatever, you can overlook that a little bit. Ryan, how are we feeling about Gunnar Henderson going forward this year? Oh, I absolutely love this this uh, big turnaround that he's had in in my in my keeper league. I, I was planning on I might still kind of trade him to get try to win this year, but he might be someone to keep on my team to try to win this year with how well he's hitting. Yeah, you said he's still not hitting lefties too well, uh, hitting two hundred three with no home runs coming into today. Did hit that home run um, off of Julio Urias, I believe, unless it was a reliever that came in. Yeah, he's just been he's been really good since what? Like since the middle of May, I feel like over the mm -hmm. past baseball reference here, past 28 days and then 268, 844 OPS. He had a, a six slide at the plate today to score. I was watching that game between the Dodgers. So so yeah, Henderson is gonna be a big part of their core. And I think, you know, we talk about vibes a lot, and I think the Orioles are just going off vibes. So I think he's gonna be somebody that just just keeps going here. So uh yeah, I definitely try to try to buy Henderson now and, and see if you can Maybe maybe catch him at a cold streak at some point and swoop in because I think there people that own him definitely know how good he can be now, mm -hmm. especially with that third base and shortstop eligibility. I think that's a uh, just a just another plus. That's been the the hard part of doing this whole fantasy analyst job and doing my rankings and things. I kind of like have to stick to my guns on some of my rankings, like in trades and things and. Points leagues, I passed up on man when when I did that trade. I think I told you, but I didn't talk about it on here. I did a trade of like a month and a half ago or something like that, and I got um, Bryce Harper and Jose Altuve for Mookie Betts and somebody else. Uh, the first offer that I got was Bryce Harper and Gunnar Henderson, and I told him no that I, there's no way I would do that. Mm. And now looking back. I wish I would have done that, but well, Altuve's back soon. Could start a rehab trip this week, so I feel like that's not necessarily too bad of a, of a downgrade, depending it, on your your positional it, needs. 
if I'd have known that Gunnar Henderson was going to do this, though, I would have I would have accepted that. Person it's so not like quick. he's not like lighting the world on fire, though. He's still hitting what under two fifty. He's, I mean, he has a five game hit streak, but they're all all one for three, one for fours. So, I think Gunnar Henderson is doing better than he was doing before, like by a significant amount. That's why people are talking about it a lot. But he's still not. I'm, I ha- I don't have the shortstop with the race in front of him, but he's still not like a <laughs> premier player at that position in redraft leagues. Um, we are also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great, great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. So many ways to win over an Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Okay, so speaking of rookies that are heating up, Francisco Alvarez for the New York Mets is somebody that I think coming into the year, I had him as my number 11 catcher, if I remember correctly. Excuse me if I'm wrong. I don't have my my fantasy pros rankings up right now. You better not be wrong. I I think I had him as my number 11 coming into the year. Uh, And after his two-home run game yesterday, which I believe is his third uh, multi-home run game this season, which is absurd. He now leads all catchers in baseball in home runs while hitting, I think he's hitting 260. In the month of July, 240, close enough. Uh, it, it's been a massive month of July for him. He struggled mightily in June. He hit 151 in 23 games. Not great. But in 11 July games, he is hitting 368 with seven dingers and 13 RBIs. Uh, very reminiscent to his May where he did the same thing. Where are you putting somebody like Francisco Alvarez in your catcher rankings uh, like from here on out? He has to be towards the top. And he was someone that in my keeper league, I picked him up. I dropped him. He was there for, for a month. And then I, I picked him back up. And I, I'm, I'm very happy that I did. He's He's been just killing it over the over the past past few weeks here. Looking where, where he is in catcher, let, let's. You're saying like next year, or you're saying like right now? Uh, like right now, like from this point in the season forward. This point, um, has to be top five. I think Sean Murphy, Will Smith, Heim, and then Alvarez is right there. I think Real Muda will have a better second half, but you know, he could he could just keep doing what he's doing and then to the 240. So, yeah, I think as long as. Alvarez can keep this up, and it's a very home run happy, happy uh, fantasy baseball world. I, I think he's, I'd say he's top five. Uh, I like top five. I'm trying to pull my, I'm going to be unable to pull out my fantasy pros rankings on this because uh, over at Fantasy Pros, we just did a massive site overhaul and made a lot of changes, and it logged all of us out of our fantasy <laughs> pros accounts. And I don't remember my login at, at the moment, so oh, I no. can't look. Because uh, I've done my my rest of the season can, uh, catcher rankings, I need to update them. But I believe he's top ten for me right there. Yeah, and, and top five, I can see that as well. He's like a man. He's like a, a Will Smith. Like I was gonna say, uh, he's like a Cal Raleigh from last his, year. His, av- his average hit. though, it, I, I'm looking looking at it more. Like Murphy's hit him 294, Smith 285, Heim 284, Rutschman I didn't mention 275. So maybe not quite top five, but. Probably in that in that six, seven eight range, I think you know, with Real Muto, Contreras, Perez, Contreras, and in, in, in that range. 
Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I think a lot of people, you either drafted him real late in your draft. I mean, Dynasty League different, but in like a redraft, you, you either drafted him really late or like me, I picked him up in uh, one of my other. I had two home leagues, so I got to differentiate him somehow. I picked him up in one of my home leagues a while ago, uh, and it has just been a fun ride. He's played really well in a points league. He strikes out a little bit, but not like a crazy amount. Uh, not to stay relevant in a points league. I think yesterday he got me like 17 points, which is absurd for one game. Some guys don't even do that in a whole week. My entire team hasn't done that in three days. <laughs> Again, I have zero points in that league. For like, Even with Francisco Alvarez going off like that, I have zero points in that league because pitching is so cool, man. Uh, but yeah, rest of the season, I like I like top five, maybe seven, maybe top seven ish around yeah. there. I think it's pretty. That's a pretty reasonable expectation for him moving forward. Uh, yeah. Who, who else we got here? Uh, two more, two more that we'll touch on. One, just because I feel like we kind of have to talk about him a little bit, would be Corbin Carroll. Yeah, dude. This <sighs> everybody had high hopes for him coming into the season. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think his ADP was right around a hundred. Could you imagine trying to wait till the hundredth pick to get Corbin Carroll next year? He's going to be a first round pick. And those are guys like we harped on this coming into the season in that 100 ADP mark, 100 to 150 is where you can find some of the best value. That is where you can find guys that are going to become top guys next season. And Corbin Carroll is it uh, on the season. He's hitting 286 with 20 home runs, four triples, 18 or Jesus, 20 doubles, 18 home runs. And he's still 28 bases while hitting 286. He has a 900 OPS right now. I know there was talks a little bit ago about he had a shoulder issue. Uh, who knew what was going to happen with that shoulder issue? I thought it seemed a little more serious than maybe they had led on. Uh, but in July, he's hitting 256 with a triple and a home run, six RBIs, stole four bases. Like he's still being productive. So he seems like a runaway for rookie of the year, even with Ellie being up. I know a lot of people want Ellie to win it, but they seem to forget that Corbin Carroll is having a better year than Julio Rodriguez had last year. And Julio Rodriguez like smashed all of these rookie records. Corbin Carroll is playing better than that. So. If you got him, props to you, man. Uh, but rest of the season moving forward, is Corbin Carroll somebody? Let's say, let's say, twelve team redraft league. You have Corbin Carroll. You're a middle of the road team right now. Are you trading Corbin Carroll for better pieces to make a playoff push, or are you holding him and hoping that the production continues for the rest of the year? I th- I think if you can if you can trade him for a comparable outfielder in another piece, I think that's something you should always consider doing in redraft leagues. If you know, especially if it's a position that you know a shallow one where there's not much available on the waiver wire, or even if you get an outfielder and a pitcher back for him. But yeah, I think you just just got just got to ride this out. And yeah, I was not in on Corbin Carroll whatsoever. I didn't think he would be be this good. And looking in my uh, my eight team league, he ended up going in the eighth uh seventh round um and with my pick prior to that uh, in the sixth round i took an outfielder of your uh seattle mariners tiasker hernandez who has uh, not (laughs) been as good as corbin carroll to say the least so far this season and round before that i took kyle schwarber so i would gladly rather have a corbin carroll than those guys 
and yeah, I think with Carol, just the thing to point out is, is what you did. The the that like 100 ADP when that that group of like middling, not middling, but like middle tier outfielder after after mm-hmm. top tier is where you can find that value. It's just a matter of picking the right one. And whoever picked up Corbin Carroll is definitely uh hopefully uh near the top of their league. Yeah, in my uh 12 team home league, uh, he went pick 117. So the return on investment uh, for somebody like Corbin Carroll has been huge. Um, I do have some worry because the shoulder issue wasn't fake. Like it, it was a real injury that happened. And while he is playing through it, I do have some worry about what it'll do for his power for the rest of the year. Um, obviously it's not going to affect the wheels. He's still going to hit for doubles, still going to hit the triples. He's still probably going to steal 50 bases on the season while hitting. He's not going to hit 300. He's going to flirt with 200. I love the 286 where he's at. I think he's like 275 to 285 type of hitter. Um, but is he going to hit 18 home runs again in the second half? I don't know with that shoulder injury. It'll take time to see. So if you, if you even had a thought in your mind of, should I trade Corbin Carroll? I think now is the time to do it. Just in the same scenario, I gave you the 12 team middling team. I think I would probably keep Corbin Carroll because I think there's still a lot of value there. But if you had even that little bit of a doubt, um, he may have some down weeks with the power. So trading him now before that might happen would be ideal. But if you keep him, there still is a ton of value that you're going to get for the rest of the year. Where do you think, what do you think Carol's ADP is next year? You think he's definitely first round. I don't think he's probably oh, man. later, later in the first round. I would imagine he's not top five. He's not Acuna, not Otani, Freeman, Betts, Matt Olson, even I think could be a first round pick next year. Then you always have the pitchers, pitchers up there. Uh, Kyle Tucker is up there as well. Honestly, I think like seven, maybe. You want Carroll or, or Kyle Tucker? I want Kyle Tucker. Okay. Oh, about, oh uh, you know what? Hold what on. What about J Ram? You want J Ram because third base is shallow. Yeah, I want J Ram. Going back to the Kyle Tucker one. I might want Corbin Carroll over Kyle Tucker. Even though Kyle Tucker's having one hell of a season. I have him in every league. He's one of my few guys that I drafted everywhere. Um, and he's having one hell of a season. He's a 30 home run, 30 stolen base guy while hitting in the high 200s. Mm-hmm. But it's literally what Corbin Carroll is about to do. But Corbin Carroll is going to steal 50 bases. So when you put it into that perspective, I might rather have Corbin Carroll because you're going to get the same production as a Kyle Tucker, but 20 extra steals added on top of that. Yeah, and getting stolen bases out of somebody that's not just a complete hold in your, in your lineup elsewhere is important. So I, that mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good point. I think in a five by five, you, you maybe go with Carroll, but maybe in a maybe in a, in a you know six by six, seven by seven, maybe you don't. But yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty good. You know, would you rather have, have Carroll or, or Tucker at, next year? Because Tucker has. Back-to-back 30 home run seasons. He's been a better lineup, I would imagine, but the D-backs are getting good. So, yeah, I feel like those guys are probably going to be like 7, 8, 8, 9, something like that next year. Yeah, and in a keeper league, he just became like your best pick of the draft this year if you're keeping him for next year by a mile. Uh, And the last person that I just want to touch on, I don't hear as many people talking about him. It would be Masataka Yoshida. One, I just want to say his name because it's so fun to say. It just rolls right off the tongue. Also, he is somebody that we were actually very high on coming into this year. Uh, a lefty playing in Fenway Park with that short fence out there. Power 
from overseas doesn't seem to translate that well to here. Like, say, Suzuki is a prime example of that. Uh, but when the outfield fence on your pole side is only one and a half feet tall, it's a lot easier to hit home runs. And he is more of a slap hitter anyways. He's got a not, er, his expected batting average is in the 92nd percentile. The strikeout rate is fucking immaculate at 11.2%. He's got 11 home runs on the year. He's driven in 50, hitting 318. He even stole seven bases, so he's mm-hmm. kind of producing everywhere. Uh, kind of same question with Corbin Carroll. Like, is Masataka Yoshida, because he's not one of those very top-end guys. He, he's, he could be one of those top-end guys, but he seems to be often overlooked. If you are one of those kind of middle-of-the-road teams, is he somebody that you hold on to or do you trade? Does he have enough trade value in your mind to be to warrant even trading? I think he actually might. I, I think, you know, it's it's hard to find someone that's hitting 318. I'm trying to look up right now how many batters are um, are hitting over 300 right now, but has some pop, has a little bit, a little bit of, of speed. I think people could get, you know, a little bit of mystified by you know, rookie of the year possibility, just coming over from Japan by the name. Because, like, if you besides the average you could look at this line that could be just any like middle tier outfielder but someone's like oh yoshida let me let me me trade for him so if you can find someone like that yeah absolutely go for it there are only 10 players hitting over 300 uh this season and yoshida is one of four outfielders hitting over four over 300 this season so that's very hard to find uh he has 11 home runs which is decent i feel like i'm not sure what what the Japanese leagues do in terms of their apparently his, his career high in games is 143. He played 121 last year, so maybe we'll see kind of him possibly falling off later in the year if he's not used to such mm. long of a season. If you think of it, if you think of it that way, I mean, I'm not predicting that, but I think there's different <laughs> angles. You, you there's different angles you you can attack it from. It's just trying to find whichever one works best for you in your specific position. Yeah, I, I think I'm spot on with you in that one. And I, I'm happy to see him producing the way that he has because he's another guy. I think for a while his ADP was like. It was God. way high. It was. Yeah, way it was high. like 250 or something for a long time. And it's like, why? The fuck I got him. He? I got him 167 in, in my my league. Yeah, it, it's just like he was one of those guys that I, I get the hesitation. Say Suzuki did bring a lot of that. Uh, kind of carry over to Yoshida this year because the I mean the hopes are so high for Seiya Suzuki and then he got injured and underperformed last year. So I get it, but man, Yoshida has been so good and I think there's for sure value there. I might keep him just because the high the high batting average is hard to come by. Yeah. With a little bit of pop too. Like Luis Arise is batting over three hundred, but he's got no pop. So count him out. It, it's nice to have those guys that can kind of have that really high average and then sprinkle a little bit of everything else in there too. So yeah, it, it's been an amazing year for rookies this season. I know I have a team that is full of them. Uh, other guys that I've loved so far this year are guys like Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, despite Brian Wu struggling yesterday. I'm, I don't really care. I think he's still great. Uh, Abbott for the Reds has been incredible still. Uh, Hunter Brown, for the Houston Astros has been good. He's fallen off a bit as of late, but he's still showing a lot of upside. And I know you mentioned Andrew Painter at the beginning, and I just want to say RIP to his arm. 
and yeah. to the 2024 season. So you're going to have to treat him like you treat Shane Baz this year. A lot of upside, but you got to, you got to wait. I, with, yeah. with Painter officially on the shelf, though, I would take a look at Griff McGarry of a Phillies pitching prospect, currently pitching a double A. He's 24, has a little bit more experience. Um, he has a 3.63 year right down there in the minors, 53 strikeouts in 39 innings. So I feel like he's somebody that could either be a part of a trade package or more likely come up and maybe get a few spot starts at some point during the season. Just closing the uh, book on Yoshida there, his ADP up until March was 237, and then mm. in March was 173. So he, he came down significantly. Everybody heard us talking about him and ran to go draft him in their leagues. Uh, but appreciate everybody listening. You guys are the best listeners in the world. You guys listening allows us to continue to do the thing that we love to do, and that is talk about fantasy baseball and give you guys the best advice we possibly can. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at fake baseball and send us over some of the, the roster moves that you've, you've made lately or how your mm -hmm. teams are doing this year. Like I, I want to see uh, if we've helped you in a negative or a positive way, send it over. I, I want to see, how we've done, you can send it in a DM or just tweet it at us at fake baseball. It's literally, yeah. And, and if, on if you have any, any trade questions, it's much more, more fun and enjoyable to talk about actual trades and like hypothetical. This is what I would do in a certain situation. So hit us up on Twitter, hit us up wherever you can find us and we'll uh, happily answer those questions on the show. Yeah, I, I have a bunch of people that hit me up in my Twitter DMs. Uh, Ezra. No one hit me up yet. Blake's always always bragging about <laughs> someone's in my DMs asking me what, who I should take. Should I do this trade? I got nothing. I, I got I got bots. That's all I got. Ezra Quint hits me up all the time for for uh, fantasy baseball trade advice. So shout out to you for always hitting me up. And Matthew, Hen Matthew Hennings, again, the dude checks out all of our work. Mm -hmm. He's fucking awesome. Uh, go check out our Substack fake baseball substack.com we got a lot of stuff up there for you guys to go check out uh, i'm going to be uh, publishing some more of my fantasy pros rankings up there soon my updated rest of season rankings and you can follow me on twitter at balake b-u-h-h-l-o-c-k-a-y-e and you can follow me on twitter at r gilbert sop we'll catch you guys next time see ya Girl, oh.